0: Temperature-wise, it wasn't cold at all. There was, there was a lot of days where once the sun came up and you got into the high alpine areas, it was really warm to the point where was one of the, our group members actually got heat exhaustion one day because all of the snow and just the blank white canvas, he was just overheating because the sun just hitting that snow and just reflecting back up at him and just just couldn't take it that day and he's an incredible athlete and a a really strong hiker and it, it got to him
1: welcome to the hiking through podcast I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Grizzly, known off-trail as Michael Ivy. He comes to you from the side of the road outside of Sierra City, going the extra mile literally to get reception. In this episode, we talk about the challenges of the PCT this year, focusing heavily on the Sierras, which he just completed and what adjustments he made to accommodate for the conditions. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Grizzly. I am really good. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> doing well. How's the reception? Okay.
1: The reception is actually really good considering where you are right now.
0: <laughs> okay. okay, good. <laughs> I'm literally like standing on the side of a road. It's the only place I can get cell phone service. So.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. <clears throat> well, thank you for, uh, for reaching out. It took a little coordination to get here, but that was exciting.
0: Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for your patience.
1: Well, you're doing s- the hard things right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been a difficult year.
1: And that's saying something, considering how many different trails you've hiked recently.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, never, uh, never a trail though in a you know a record snow year like the PCT this year at the Sierras. It's been interesting.
1: Yeah. Now, and you made the decision to. Go through as opposed to go around.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I uh I really don't like flip flopping. I hate dealing with all the logistics of getting back and forth and the time off the trail in transit to wherever you're flip flopping around to. Um and felt good about my skill set and experience with snow in general. So decided to give it a try.
1: Now are you are you hiking with anybody or any group right now? Yeah, uh, I
0: actually have been hiking with uh, one other hiking partner. I guess you can say uh, since day one. It's someone that uh, I knew prior to the trail. We had met in Denver, uh, and he had a lot of snow experience. Although it was his first through hike, so I wasn't sure how that would work out. Um, but we've you know we've hiked all the way through the Sierras and through the deserts as well uh, together, and then uh, also have hiked with off and on with, uh, three other people since day number three on the trail. So I've kind of been with the same group off and on, uh, since the very beginning.
1: Now, did that kind of help? I mean, going into the Sierras with the snow like this, this year, you guys probably figured you were going to be dealing with a lot of different things or potentially dealing with a lot of different things. Did it help going in it with a group that you were familiar with, that you knew, you know, you were comfortable with?
0: Absolutely. Um, I would say that if I would have been going through the Sears by myself, I, sorry about the noise. No worries. (laughs) I would not have uh, been as comfortable. I probably wouldn't have gone straight through the Sears if I was going by myself. Um, Some of the river crossings were, sketchy to say the least um i mean i'm six almost six five and still on me some of the water crossings were oh gosh above my belly button mm-hmm. a couple of them were almost chest uh deep so oh, wow you know that's those are risks that i wouldn't have taken on my own hiking out here um but with a group it it worked it was it was safe
1: speaking of those river crossings did you hike them or did you cross them together or were you going through individually and just people were making sure to keep an eye on you?
0: We always, you know, whether different members of the group would get ahead of other members, we would always wait up uh, at the beginning or at the uh, edge of the river crossings and cross the rivers together. Uh, We never wanted to make, we never wanted anyone to feel uncomfortable at the river crossings. Everyone had a different levels of experience uh one of the girls that we're hiking with she's five foot two so you know that's a a river crossing that's you know chest deep on someone that's six five that's you know that's swimming for Mm -hmm. someone that's five foot two so yeah we, we would always wait for the entire group we would scout the river as a group um some of us had more river crossing experience than others so that that was definitely helpful as well and yeah made sure that everyone was safe
1: so what what was your approach to river crossing? like, Or what was your technique, I should say, to be more specific? Uh, honestly,
0: dependent on the river crossings. You know, some of the more notorious ones out here in the high seers are Evolution Creek and Bear Creek. Um, mm-hmm. They've had fatalities on them in previous years where there's been high snow and high runoff, you know, one like bear Creek. We actually joined up with another group of hikers and there was 12 of us that went across in a line basically with locked arms, you know, kind of alternating guy, girl, guy, girl, or by size just to make sure everyone got across the river safely. Evolution Creek. Uh, there's two different crossings of that. One is in a meadow and it's, it's deep, but it is much calmer. Um, then the main, the main crossing. And that one was, you know, almost chest deep and that one we all just kind of crossed together and held on to each other when needed. Um, you know, just being smart, you know, making sure that your, your hip belt and your sternum strap on your backpack are undone that way. If you need to ditch your pack, you ditch your pack. Um, you know, just, just being smart about it, crossing early in the morning,
1: did you also find that I mean to be the case when you had to go over passes and things like that? Just getting out early and
0: yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had a lot of a lot of you know start hiking around four or five a.m. Um, while the snow was nice and firm, and before things got slushy on the backside of passes. That way, you know, microspikes or crampons were gonna gonna stick a little bit better. Yeah, it was it was a real different way of hiking just because you're you're not doing big miles, but it's it's so mentally exhausting um, every day because between the approach going up a pass, some of the areas being a little bit more technical, and then maybe on the backside of pass with all the sun cups and uh, snow, you might be doing fifteen to twenty miles a day, but you never had a, a, a second really to relax and just kind of zone out and just hike miles. So yeah, it was a, it it was, it was a challenge.
1: How, I guess, how was it for you personally? How, what was your experience of it? What is your, your memory of it at this point?
0: I'm glad I did it. Honestly. Um, You know, a lot of people flip flop this year on the PCT and went up to Northern California or went up to Oregon or some people even went up to Washington because they had a lower snow year and started going southbound. You know, some people probably are just going to skip this year as in general. And honestly, whatever, whatever decision people made this year, they made the decision that they were comfortable with. But for me having already hiked the trail in 2015, it was interesting to see a complete, you know, just total difference in the landscape um 15 was a drought year so there was Mm -hmm. there was no snow and i i went through it about the exact same time as i did uh, in 15 and i thought it was a it was a great thing to challenge myself with that being said i would probably never choose to do (laughs) another really high snow year and go through the sierras um people are facing the same challenge on the cdt this year going through colorado colorado got just rock this year as far as snow and seeing some of the pictures and videos of three bikers on the CDT in Colorado I yeah you know, I feel bad for them because it's it's a slog but it's you know they'll never forget it I'll, I'll never forget the Sierras this year I never want to go back and do them in that <laughs> conditions again but I'll never forget it
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's sort of one of those glass half full glass half empty things did you choose it or did the Sierras choose you
0: exactly You know, and I think, I think for me and my group, we're all happy that we went through. Mm -hmm. We're all very happy that it's, that's over with, but I think it's going to make the rest of our hike seem much easier and we're not going to take things for granted. I think in 15, when I got to Northern California, you kind of took Northern California and even Oregon for granted because it's a little more of like the green tunnel effect. There's not as, you know, grand of views, say, as in the high Sierra. And you just kind of, you, you kind of got bored. Whereas this year, we just got out of 450 miles, basically, of snow. And we're so excited about hot weather. We're so excited <laughs> about <laughs> setting up our tent on dry trail. And yesterday, yesterday, I did my first 30-mile day since before the Sierras. And maybe three quarters of the day was dry trail and it was it was like paradise. It was it was amazing just being able to listen to a podcast or an audio book or or some music and just you know zone out a little bit and just hike miles rather than always being on guard.
1: Yeah. It's the simple things again. Exactly. Now when you set out to do the PCT this year, did you Did you know that it was going to be such a high snow year? I mean, because obviously, it's sort of... It happened really, I think, obviously over the winter. But I know, being in L.A., that February and like the beginning of March, every weekend, basically, or every week, it was raining in L.A. So I can only imagine how the Sierras were getting hit. So were you kind of... When you stepped on the trail in Campo, were you kind of expecting this? Or...
0: Yeah, I see being in colorado all winter i i was always monitoring you know what, what the weather was doing and what it was going to mean for me but really the winter it wasn't so bad in this year's it was just the fact that it, it just kept going and going you know march was really really wet then you know i got on trail on april 23rd and early mid-april they were still getting big snowstorms i was like okay well 'll it'll, it'll stop May and June are typically the two driest months of the year in this so it'll it'll stop it'll start to melt out and as I was progressing north just the time I got you know cell service or check the weather or the Facebook uh, page for the PCT class you just kept seeing another storm and another <laughs> storm and it it just it just never stopped it was one of those situations where he felt a little bit helpless on trail and you know i think in a normal year people are fear-mongering you know once you get closer to the sierras and everyone will say like oh you no know, it's it's really bad even if it's not that bad but this year you know people were talking about it almost right away you know what are you gonna do with the sierras and it's like i, I have no idea you know <laughs> i'll figure figure it out when i get closer um but we we knew it was bad and we, we knew there was going to be a lot of snow. I had a uh, I have a really good friend out here on the trail that started about a month earlier than i I did Oh, and wow yeah he uh he had already done the PCT twice and I was kind of watching his progress as he was moving north and he did the first section of the Sierras and decided to to flip up north and so when he decided to flip it it really kind of got my attention like oh okay, it must be, must be really bad in there. Um, and you know, it it was, but it, it was doable. I just think it just depended on what you really wanted to get out of the hike, you know, as a, as a first time through hike or the first time doing the PCT, I don't know that I would have recommended going through it. You probably didn't see the best version of the high Sierras.
1: I don't know. Some of the some of the pictures that I see on your Instagram are pretty damn epic. though.
0: <laughs> they are epic, but there's something to be said about taking a swim in a in a high yes. alpine lake, or you know, you know, eating your lunch and just kind of you know soaking your feet or something, and just watching all the all the water pouring out of everywhere in these beautiful green meadows with wildflowers. There was there was none of that. <laughs> there was a lot of frozen socks, frozen shoes, and camping in tree wells
1: <laughs> yeah speaking of that how did you how much of the gear that you were going to need or that you ended up needing did you have or were prepared to send to yourself versus how much did you have to figure out as you got closer and you're like okay we're gonna hit we're gonna go through it
0: sure um i switched out quite a bit of my gear in tahachapi which was kind of the last major town that would have a post office, uh, before the Sierras. So I switched out from, uh, a, a more of a tarp based tent to a freestanding tent, went from a quilt to a mummy bag, went from a, a lightweight sleeping pad to a four season sleeping pad, had my ice sent out, a lot of warm layers. I mean, I, I even switched my backpack for a, a section of the Sierras that so could be able to Carry uh, carry more food and carry a little bit more weight comfortably. So, most of my gear changed for the Sierras. Honestly,
1: how much of that did you already have, so, or how much did you were you ordering to get to Tehachapi to or to meet you at Tehachapi?
0: Uh, I had all the gear, other than okay. hmm, what, other than an ice axe, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I just I ordered an ice axe, but all the rest of the gear was stuff that I had from. Previous uh, through hikes that I had at home, and okay. luckily I have a really wonderful fiance at home that was willing to send me out boxes. And you know, every time I kept adding, you know, oh, and add this in there, and another pair of socks, and another base layer. <laughs> she kept adding things to the boxes. So,
1: right, and and congratulations for that, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh,
1: if I if I was following your Instagram properly or correctly. She was supposed to be on the trail as well, though, correct?
0: She was. Um,
1: okay.
0: It was something that she really, really wanted to do. And it was something that she had wanted to do even before we met. And some some last minute health concerns, she's had some recurring heart issues mm-hmm. and some heart surgeries. And she got a little setback before, you know, right before we were supposed to get on trail. So we had canceled... Reservations and flights and everything, and kind of you know, resigned to the fact that we weren't going to hike this year. And then, after being home for a couple of days, she kind of said, you, "You need to go. Just go hike. You're, you're going to be miserable if you're if you're not out there." And do you know, go hike for for yourself and go hike for me. And like, all right, well, if you're sure, then I'll, I'll go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so she's been great through all this
1: she she's the the logistical support back home thank goodness
0: exactly yeah she's the uh the the brain and the uh (laughs) control center i guess yeah she's uh she's definitely definitely uh you know talked me through some of these sections where it's been you know you kind of question why you're out here doing this at times and uh whether you'd rather be out here sleeping on the snow in the Sierras or at home, you know, with your fiance and she's, you know, yeah. kind of talked me through it a few times and just said, you know, just just keep hiking. You're, you're doing great.
1: So, Now, what is her name?
0: Uh, her name is Jenna.
1: Jenna. So shout out to Jenna for uh, keeping yeah. you on the trail.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: No, but how did that, like, if that was the last second thing, so to speak, how did that... Or did that even mess with your head once you got on trail and she wasn't there? And
0: it did. It uh, it definitely messed with my head. I think I was lucky in the fact that I knew another person that was going to be starting the trail that I felt like had similar similar goals, um, kind of a similar build as far as like you know athletic uh, build and uh, someone that. I had met before was willing to hike with uh, at least willing to start with to, uh, to at least know somebody out there to make it a little easier because I'm not sure if I would have gotten dropped off the Southern Terminus, you know, a couple of days after finding out that my fiance wasn't able to hike and then doing it by myself, not knowing anyone. I'm not sure how willing I would have been to actually do it this year. So it was, it was huge for me mentally to at least have somebody that knew me, knew my fiance. Um, and that, you know, I could, I could talk to whether it's having a good day or bad day, or at least uh, even keep my mind off of what was going on at home and focus on the trail. Cause I mean, at, at times it's good to zone out and not focus on, on trail life. But I think if your head's really not in it, you're, you're not going to get very far.
1: Yeah. It's not an easy thing.
0: No, not at all. Not at all.
1: How long did it take you to kind of get over that hump and, and get into the space of, okay, I'm, I'm here and I'm doing this. I'm doing this for both of us. I mean, I think,
0: I think you, as a, as you go through a through hike, at least for myself personally, I think there's a lot of ebbs and flows. There's, There's really high highs and there's really really low lows where, you know, you're, you're super excited to be there. And maybe it's because there's a section of trail that you're going through that you, you love or you can't wait to see. And then, you know, I guess also there might be the lower times where it's like, you know, I'm not really that interested in this part of the trail or I'm just kind of down right now. So I, I think there's still ebbs and flows. I mean, there's definitely times where, wow, I, really you know kind of wish i was at home or i i I wish that i was out here hiking with jenna Mm -hmm. and then there's other times where you know it's put your head down and you just hike through you know a section and you don't it's not that you don't miss that person but it doesn't bother you as much i mean i every night that I go to bed, I wish like, well, I wish I was crawling into my tent next to my fiance. But at the same time, there's some nights where it bothers you a little bit more. Maybe, maybe you're camped by yourself for a night or you didn't really see anybody that day. Um, But you know, there's, there's positives and negatives and ups and downs. Um, She got to visit me in Lake Tahoe just recently. So I think that honestly getting out of the high sierras and getting to see my fiance for 24 hours. Really helped my uh, my headspace a little bit. She's gonna come out and visit me at Crater Lake as well in July, so you yeah, know, already looking forward to that as well. So it's just you know, it's just kind of getting from time to time, and you 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 make it work.
1: She her her drive her dropping in is sort of like the carrot uh, leading you up exactly. the
0: trail. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and right now you know she her and my sister both meet me in Crater Lake and it's kind of a time crunch where it's like well we're gonna meet you this weekend you have to do X amount of miles and X amount of days make it happen I'm like okay well I guess I'll hike fast
1: (laughs) so so what is the what is the the target mileage now that you've got to hit in order to make it there at the right date
0: Uh, I have to average about 28 miles a day to get to Crater Lake for my birthday which would be the weekend of july 27th so it's a a big goal but yeah (laughs) but uh (laughs) northern california and oregon are definitely a a little bit flatter and uh yeah i think it's a little easier in these areas to maybe not get stuck in a town for an extra day or to push an extra five miles here or there a day um and and make that happen especially when when you know that you get to get to see loved ones
1: how much mileage were you pushing in the desert by the end? Um, I did
0: you know, a handful of thirty-mile days, one forty-mile day. Um, kind of felt like if you if I wasn't doing somewhere right around thirty miles, that I was probably just taking it easy. Honestly, um, yeah, I think you know twenty-five to thirty was was about average.
1: Okay. How's your body holding up? How's your feet and legs and and everything holding up?
0: Uh, re- yeah, really well, actually. I don't. I generally don't get or a lot of uh, foot pain. Um, for me, it's more just, you know, end of the day, knees, ankles get a little bit sore, bottom of the feet get a little sore. It Just kind of depends on how many miles I do. Um, did you know, yesterday, like I said, I did a thirty-two mile day, and honestly, felt Great, so I'm excited to <laughs> to get rid of some of the pack weight and slim my pack down even more for the warmer weather and uh, see uh see what the body can do.
1: Yeah, now now you're a racing machine.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh I there's always um there's you know, people every year that do the Oregon challenge where they try and get through Oregon in two weeks, which is I think it's like thirty one or thirty two miles a day you have to average with no zeros. And the first time I did a trail I kind of scoffed at that whole idea, like why would you why would you do that? Why wouldn't you wanna enjoy some of the towns and enjoy the scenery more? But I I think that's definitely in the cards this year. Maybe even something more aggressive than that, to be honest. But
1: And so it sounds like you're thinking that even once you get to or yeah, once you get to Crater Lake and see see your family, that you're going to continue probably with the higher mileage going all the way up.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Washington itself is a lot harder to do high miles. I think in Washington, if you're doing twenty five to thirty miles a day, you're 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 pretty exhausted at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also I'm trying to finish the trail by. I have a, I have a wedding in Seattle that I'd like to get to, um, on August twenty. I think it's 24th. So the goal is to be done with the trail on August 22nd. So,
1: <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, Northern California, Oregon and Washington are, uh, I'm going to push pretty hard. If I can get done for this wedding, my fiance will be really happy because it's her best friend getting married. If mm-hmm. not, uh, I'm sorry, Natalie. I'm not going to be at your wedding.
1: But. <laughs> you can do a you can do a a, a flyby. Come off of uh, yeah, Snow exactly. or Stevens Pass. All yeah. you know, hair, uh, hiker beard and and wild hair. It'll be great wedding <laughs> pictures.
0: Yeah, I'll probably be all hiker trashed out anyway, just because <laughs> I'm possibly jumping on the Colorado Trail as soon as I get done with the PCT. So I don't okay. think there's going to be a whole lot of uh, haircuts or cutting of a beard before I do another hike this fall.
1: Now, what what is that about? Or like going stri- straight from the PCT to the Colorado Trail?
0: Um, Living in Denver and having the Colorado Trail in my backyard is, is amazing. I, I really enjoy the trail. I've liked the entire thing once. And then I did uh, a big chunk of it again last year. And then there were some fires and just kind of got derailed on that hike. Um, But decided I want to do it again this year. Um, And depending on how my body feels, maybe give the FKT a a shot this fall. So we'll see.
1: And So PCT, Colorado Trail, and what is SKT?
0: The fastest known time on the Colorado Trail. Got it. Okay. So... Which right now is owned by Mr. John Zahorian. Um, it's like nine days, twelve hours for the entire Colorado Trail. So how many
1: how many miles is a, the Colorado
0: Trail? Uh, a little less than five hundred. You're you're basically having to average about fifty-one miles a day.
1: How many miles a day? Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not my speed of hiking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never done anything like that, so I'm I'm interested in possibly giving it a, chance, giving it a try. Um, it's also going to just depend on how my body feels after I get done with this, and if there's a, a good weather window in Colorado at the end of August, beginning of September.
1: Right. Hats off. But, I, I will root you on from here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks
1: Now you've done I mean you've done a lot of hiking You've done John Muir You've done PCT before, Colorado CDT You also said that you had the SHT, what is that one?
0: The Superior Hiking Trail uh, which is up in Minnesota um, You start at, well The terminuses are either at the Canadian border or and then the southern terminus is at the Wisconsin border, uh, kind of paralleling the coast of lakes of Lake Superior in the arrowhead of Minnesota. So it's a, it's a shorter trail. Um, I don't remember yeah, it's like 300 and 320 or so miles. Um, my fiance and I did that one together last year. Uh, she grew up in Minnesota, so I thought it would be, fun to make her first through hike, something, you know, near where she grew up. Mm-hmm. I also grew up in Michigan and I had really never done any long distance backpacking in the Midwest. So it was a, a fun experience.
1: How, how was the trail itself? How How's the route? And-
0: really good. Yeah. Um, really, really nice trail, uh, well-maintained. Yeah. I, I actually, I enjoy some of the shorter trails. I, I enjoy the Colorado Trail, the JMT, uh, the Superior Hiking Trail, just because you don't you don't necessarily have to take an entire summer off or you know half of a year off to hike these trails. You can just do them in a couple weeks or a month's time. I would say I did the trail. I finished on Labor Day, and my only regret would be I wish we would have started later to have taken advantage with some of the fall colors in the Midwest. Um, When we finished, it was just starting. So, you know, maybe if we would have started right after Labor Day or on Labor Day and finished three weeks later, I think it would have been really, really nice. But I think it's a a really good trail. I think, especially for anyone that is looking to get into through hiking and they want to just get their feet wet, I think it's a really good way of starting.
1: Is it very hilly or is it fairly flat or or lower elevation or
0: i feel like it's i mean it's low elevation just because it's it's in the midwest and Mm -hmm. it's right next to lake superior so it's not very high elevation it's definitely hilly um you know what i would kind of say is it's almost you know i i haven't through hugged the at but it's almost at in the fact that there's not a whole lot of flat ground. You're either going up or you're going down and everything is fairly steep. It's just that everything is also fairly short. It's not a a sustained, you know, five or 10 mile climb. It's just straight up onto a hillside and then straight down. But I thought they do a great job with the trail itself. They have designated backcountry campsites on it that all have a privy and have 10 pads and everything's really really nicely taken care of
1: their version of shelter, the shelter system.
0: Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't have the actual, like, you know, three-sided shelters mm-hmm. or anything like that, like the eight you would have, but you, you know, where you're camping at it's all designated camp spots. There's no, you know, just hiking until whenever you want and then stopping wherever you want. You kind of have to plan your days out. Um, and there's really nice little trill towns as well. So yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it.
1: Very cool. Yeah speaking of camping so i'm very curious about this when you hit the sierras and you are camping in the sierras right now what is your setup like what are you <laughs> using to stay warm
0: <laughs> so i've i've gone through a lot of different gear on this trail and i mean i guess we can we can talk about what i started with and then go into this sure. year even um, so my Starting gear, I guess, uh, for a big three, I use a Palante, uh, V2, uh, backpack. So it's a 36 liter pack, uh, no hip belt, frameless pack, um, a katabatic gear quilt. Uh, I use their saw watch, which is a 15 degree quilt. Okay. I uh, love their quilts. I think they're fantastic. Really, really warm really really true to their really
1: a 15 degree temperature
0: rating yeah it's an actual 15 degree I, I i've heard of a lot of people with other quilts from other companies that say like yeah i've got a zero degree i was like why do you have a zero degree in the desert and like well because i had a such and such and i was freezing
1: yeah
0: um but really true temperature ratings on theirs and then i started off with a z-packs uh duplex just because i am a i'm a bigger guy i'm so for me, finding a shelter that's actually long enough is, is hard at times. Mm-hmm. So with the duplex, I could kind of lay diagonally in it, and I would, I would fit. <laughs> um, but what, honestly, were gonna just, what were you going to use? What were
1: you going to use if if your fiance was with you?
0: We would have still use the duplex. It's just it's tight for me then with two people.
1: <laughs> okay, your feet are hanging <laughs> at the end. Uh, it just
0: kind of curled up. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm never the person that's like getting changed in their tent and sitting up and doing much. It's just, it's strictly for sleeping.
1: <laughs> Got it. Okay.
0: Um, but it was, it was actually really windy and cold in the desert this year and rained and snowed a lot. So I actually, I knew pretty early on that I was going to switch out my duplex um, just because some of the nights we were having 30, 40 mile an hour wind gusts and wow. keeping it pitch, even with uh, rocks on the stakes and on the guy lines, it, it was collapsing on me two, three times a night. Um, so for the Sierras, I switched my tent out to a big Agnes tiger wall, uh, two person, okay, which really, really like, um, I think it's a, I think it's a great shelter, um, lightweight, easy to pitch. Uh,
1: freestanding, right?
0: Uh, Semi freestanding. Okay. You have to stake out uh, the front corners on the foot end, um, but yeah, you could. In a pinch, you could do it as just a freestanding. I guess it's just not gonna, you're not gonna have as much room, right?
1: Um,
0: okay. And that worked. That worked well in the Sierras. Um, stayed nice and warm, and it didn't have a whole lot of problems with condensation. I switch out my quilt for a little while to a mummy bag. Um, just cause I had a Western mountaineering mummy bag at home, uh, that I had used previously on the CDT. And I knew if temperatures were going to get down, you know, around 10, 15 degrees that it, I would be warm rather than just being, you know, being okay. Um, so I switch out to that mummy bag for a little while in the Sierras and have since, since went back to my catabatic quilt and then yeah, switch out my sleeping pad to a a warmer Neo Air. I went from the Neo Air Uber light pad to a Neo Air X-Therm pad just for a higher R value. Keep me a little warmer. And then, yeah, I guess I'm getting ready to (laughs) Switch gear out again, honestly, um, in, in a couple hundred miles to my ultralight summer setup, and that'll just be getting rid of a tent altogether and just sleeping with a bivy sack.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Uh,
0: with, yeah, with, which is something I've never done. I've never used a bivy sack before. Um, I'm going to carry Catabatic gear. Also makes a bivy sack called a uh, bristle cone or sorry, bristle cone uh, bivy sack. So I'm going to try that out. Uh, just with a tarp over top of it on you nights know, that there might be precipitation. Um, but with between the tarp and the bivy sack, it's a 12-ounce shelter. So I, you can't really beat that as far as weight.
1: True. Any concern with bugs? So uh,
0: The bivy sack has a, uh, a bug net on the face.
1: Okay. So,
0: yeah. Uh, bugs are, are always a concern out here, though, <laughs> I, I feel like. <laughs> they're just really starting to get going for us here and I'm in Sierra city right now. And the last couple of days there's been some bugs, but I've heard that further North, uh, in Northern California and in Washington or in Oregon, they're really bad right now. So.
1: Yeah. I think I was hearing somewhere that like, particularly when it's gets so wet, uh, the, it's almost like it opens up the eggs or something, you know, it just the hordes become even worse.
0: Yeah, and Oregon's kind of known for when it is a, a higher snow year, if it's a wet spring and winter, that Oregon is the worst just because of all the standing water uh, mm-hmm. with all the volcanic ponds and lakes um, in Oregon. So, Oregon should be interesting.
1: <laughs> what a polite <laughs> word to use.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Another incentive to move fast, I guess.
1: <laughs> That's true. I, I've heard that that is the way that you escape the mosquitoes—is you outrun them, so to speak.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. I'll use plenty of uh, plenty of picardin and uh, DEET, and just try and go three three and a half miles an hour and keep keep ahead of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just keep moving.
0: Yep, exactly. <laughs>
1: Um, for your clothing in the Sierras, uh, I, I know I'm really harping on the Sierras, but this whole s- yeah, extra no. snow year is, is very fascinating to me because it's a completely different mindset. Um, yes, yeah. all the way around, actually. I mean, both in terms of obviously mentally and, and going through it, but also in terms of your gear and your clothing, even. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was as what I wanted as to clothing, ask
0: you about. As far as clothing, um, let's see, I didn't, I honestly didn't change out much. I normally don't carry a puffy coat. Um, I'll just carry, I'm one of the Colorado, you know, residents that are part of the Melanzana hoodie quilt or hoodie, uh, cult. So <laughs> I usually just carry my, my Melanzana hoodie. Um, but I, I added a puffy to my bag for the Sierras. Um, I had a pair of leaf line tights. I picked up a couple extra pairs of socks. Um, I normally don't carry gloves or a beanie, but I, I picked up, you know, both of those before heading into the Sierras. Yeah. I don't really feel like I changed my clothes that much. It was just more adding a couple of layers here and there. Um, you know, wouldn't it, it was actually temperature-wise, it wasn't cold at all. There was was a lot of days where once the sun came up and you got into the high alpine areas, it was really warm to the point where one of our group members actually got heat exhaustion one day because all of the snow and just the blank white canvas, he was just overheating because the sun just hitting that snow and just reflecting back up at him and just know just couldn't take it that day and he's an incredible athlete and a a really strong hiker and it it got to him that badly so i don't feel like it was temperature wasn't a big thing for me um i also i think lucked out a little bit that some of the groups that had gone in ahead of me they were still dealing with some of those storms uh, when they were going through the high sierra yeah i only had i think two days of thunderstorms and the rest of the time it was basically bluebird skies every single day.
1: <laughs> you got the window.
0: Yeah, I really did. Really, really got lucky and, and did go through a great window of time. Um, I think maybe some of the river crossings were higher for, for me than for some other people. But, yeah, we, we were fortunate.
1: Yeah. Now, talking about heat exhaustion and, and sun reflecting off of the snow and stuff, how about sunburn? any issues with that or, or like eyes issue, everybody have their sunglasses and all of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Everybody, everybody had sunglasses. Um, I mean, there was, there was definitely some sunburns, but everyone was also pretty good about wearing sunscreen. Most of the time, Um, baseball caps, buffs, bandanas. I mean, I, I feel like if, if anything, a lot of times people were so covered up that we were sweating more than, we normally would be just because we were yeah. trying to keep the sun off of us. Um, I think just at times it was hard to maybe get as much water as you want to because a lot of the water sources high up were frozen. Mm-hmm. And you know, honestly, a lot of times when you're sitting on snow all day, the last thing you really want to do is drink a whole bunch of water. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's that dilemma.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I I have to do this. I I really don't want to.
1: I'm sick of water. I'm sick of frozen water. (laughs) What what were you, what, I guess, what were you, what are you eating out there? Like, what is your, what does your diet look like right now? Um,
0: it's changed a lot. I had a stove sent to me. I'm normally stoveless and just do cold soak. And normally for me with cold soak, it's, Oatmeal for breakfast, or you know, overnight oats for breakfast, and it's ramen for dinner, and that is pretty much it as far as what I'll what I'll eat for breakfast and dinner. But with having a stove, it opens up all kinds of new possibilities. So um, you explored. What's that?
1: I said you explored.
0: Yeah, I didn't explore a whole lot. It, it turned into more just like eating rice sides or pasta sides. Um, a lot of cheese, a lot of tortillas, summer sausage, um, salami, pepperoni. I don't, I don't venture out. I'm not super creative in the back country when it comes to to eating. I feel like I just kind of eat and resupply on whatever I can find. And some towns are better than others. And then when I get to the next town, I treat myself and eat whatever really sounds good that I can eat in town. And there's kind of grin and Barrett for another three or four days between towns.
1: What's been your most epic meal so far in town?
0: Uh, me and one of the guys I was haw- uh, hiking with named Hawkeye, we got into a uh, VVR resort in the middle of the Sierras. And we have gotten there before everyone else did. And they're special that night. Like they kind of have three or four things that they'll have on the menu for dinner every night. And we both ate two New York strips, two sides of vegetables, ice cream sundaes. And that was, that was probably the, the best meal and the biggest meal that we had had on trail. We just, we were so hungry at that point that we just gorged ourselves.
1: How long did it take for hiker hunger to hit you? I mean, you're a big guy, so I would assume yeah. <laughs> pretty quick.
0: You know, I, I'm, it's always different for me on previous hikes. Um, it, it seems like it's taken a while. I was pretty hungry pretty quick. I, maybe, maybe three hundred miles, and I was I was pretty hungry. Um, I feel like the Sierras always bring it out the most, or high or higher elevation brings out the most um, for me. So I've been I've been pretty hungry all through the Sierras. I think when the weather kind of warms up. And I'm doing bigger mileage days. Those are kind of the days that I don't necessarily want to eat as much. I just kind of mm-hmm. want to nibble on something and just crawl into my ball sleep.
1: Yeah. What are you snacking on? What, what are your kind of snacks of choice?
0: Uh, a lot of trail mix, lots of complete cookies. Um, I'm a huge gummy bear or like anything, anything gummy, uh, fan, (laughs) uh, I feel like on some of the bigger days doing 30, 40 miles, I might eat a a couple of bags of gummy bears during the day.
1: When you say bags, what does that mean?
0: Uh, just like the, I don't know, the, the, the the normal size bag of like, uh, Haribo or Haribo. I don't know how you say it, the gold bags of, uh, gummy bears. I'll eat two of those bags a day. If it's a bigger mileage day, I just—I don't know why. I just—I—I I crave stuff like that's gummy or like Sour Patch Kids. Just—just love them.
1: We're gonna have to—we're gonna have to put on your your shirt or your hat. Powered by gummy bears.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of cannibalism, I guess, about eating the the gummy bears. But
1: speaking of bears, how has how were the Sierras? Were you seeing much animals out there?
0: No, (laughs) uh, I feel like the Sierra's were almost like a a desolate wasteland. It was just us and the marmots. Um, honestly, I, I haven't seen a bear this entire trail. Um, you know, a good amount of deer marmots. That's about it. A lot of rattlesnakes, a lot of rattlesnakes in the desert. And actually it was kind of strange today hiking into Sierra city, um, saw rattlesnake again this morning, uh, you know, had basically been hiking on snow for a month straight and then got a 20-mile stretch of dry trail and I see a rattlesnake. So, I don't know, I guess it's time to not listen to music all day long and start l- watching the trail again.
1: Yeah, you're, now you're watching the trail for a different reason.
0: Exactly. It's not sun cups or falling off of a cliff, it's rattlesnakes.
1: yeah. Did you have any close calls up there?
0: Uh not really. Um our group, no one really had no one really had any close calls. One one member of the group fell. He was trying to enter into uh, one of the rivers and the snowbank going into the river collapsed mm-hmm. and so he fell into the river. Um it was one of those moments where like everyone was kind of scared and then we realized it's The water was maybe, maybe knee deep. So he just kind of stood up and was like, I'm fine. Um,
1: (laughs) That would be a little anticlimactic.
0: Yeah. um, You just never know with some of the rivers, like exactly when you, when you step in, is it going to be knee deep? Is it going to be waist deep? Um, But yeah, no no real close call. There, There was a lot of sketchy sections. There was a lot of snow cornices that were overhanging, you know, Parts of the parts of the path that were sketchy. Um, there was a lot of avalanche debris fields that you're hiking through. Where you're like, oh, well, that doesn't look like it, you know, gave way that long ago. Maybe a couple of days ago. Um, so there's there was just kind of always a, a feeling of you know uneasiness and just kind of unsettled.
1: Right, danger is everywhere.
0: Yeah, but no one ever, no one ever slipped. Everyone was really careful. Um, we had a, we had a really good group.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like when everybody's getting to Kennedy Meadows. I mean, that by the time you hit Kennedy Meadows, people have sort of formed groups. Is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah, and I think, I think some
0: years, you know, maybe when you get to Kennedy Meadows, then you all kind of group up and go through the series together, and then you go your own separate ways. Maybe I was a little more fortunate, um, that this year I was basically hiking in a group of five for pretty much the desert anyway. When we got Candy Meadows, we just added a couple more people to the group and Mm -hmm. just became a little bit larger. Um, but it was, you know, the relationships were already there. There was already a trust factor. Um, one of the guys I'm hiking with coach that I, that I actually started with, he, he does like winter mountaineering and a lot of backcountry skiing and backcountry travel in Colorado. So that was kind of the person where everyone was like, "Okay, you, you know <laughs> what you're talking about. You you know snow conditions and stuff like that." So we we all trust you.
1: That's right. Everybody's like, "Okay, we're sticking with Coach." I don't know about what you guys are doing, yeah. but we're sticking with Coach.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, there were definitely times where you know his skill set and what he's comfortable with. Everyone else is kind of like. Really? You want us to do that? <laughs> All right. But, you know, it was always it was always safe. Was, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just having belief in yourself that you could do it.
1: Speaking of that, you know, I mean, you've, as we've kind of said before, you've done a, a lot of through hiking before, um, a lot of hiking and, and that kind of stuff. How has this year, this trail, this experience so far, uh, changed you, I guess, or or reinforced things for you? Well
0: I, mean, I think it's the hardest through hike that I've been a part of or I've had to do. Um I think a lot of the times in the Sierra there was you know, there's opportunities to follow a trail, but there's also opportunities to almost pick your own adventure and do some cross country travel and pick travel or pick routes that maybe you felt more comfortable with, or you thought were better than what the main boot track through the snow was. Um, And I think, I think that has been something different for me um, as far as through hikes, you know, normally you just, you follow the trail and you just do what, what's mapped out for you. This is more just kind of cross country travel at times up in the Sierras and there's a lot more navigating. Um, it's I, I almost feel like it's probably what at times the CDT used to be where mm. it was kind of a pick your own adventure in areas. Um, so it's been, that's been fun and it's been, it's been a challenge. You know, there's, there's days where you just really have to remind yourself that, you know, it, it's not going to be easy and that you need to be patient because you're not going to make the miles that you want to make. And you, you have to just not, you can't get frustrated with that. You just have to, you know, focus on the end goal and just put in the hours every day and the miles will come. It's just, it's going to be a little bit harder. So I'm someone that I will tend to get a little bit frustrated and a little, a little bit cranky with stuff like that. And that's, it's it's been hard for me just to be patient with myself, I guess.
1: Because you you want to be over here, you want to be up here with the miles, and, and you you can't.
0: Exactly, you know. It's, it's sometimes when you're doing 12 miles a day, and you you look at gut hooks or whatever, and you see like I did 18 miles in 12 hours, like
1: yeah. what,
0: what 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 are we doing here?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just you just have have to be patient. It's just it's about getting from you know resupply point to resupply point and it's not gonna it's not gonna be a normal hike at times
1: definitely this year yep and i could imagine like sometimes when you're looking at gut hooks and you that you you know you're hiking for a couple of hours or whatever and then you look at gut hooks and the the little dot has barely moved you're just like what yeah how is that possible
0: and i think you know for for any of us that are you know, whether you're seven or 800 miles into your first through hike or you're, you know, I don't know, seven or 8,000 miles into your hiking career. Like that's frustrating. Like you just, you, you're you not used to moving so slowly um, yeah. and being so exhausted at the end of the day. And it's also, you know, having to buy all the extra food in towns and spending you know, an extra day or two in some of these sections. It's, yeah, it's a little disheartening, but it's it's worth it in the end.
1: Yeah, it's epic. It's totally yeah, epic it is.
0: Out there. It, is deb- <laughs> it, it is definitely epic.
1: <laughs> How many days worth of food are you kind of carrying with you at this point, or were you carrying with you?
0: Um, I mean, it depends. Like right now, I just literally just resupplied for my next stretch, which I think is like a hundred and. 32 or 136 miles. And I've got four and a half days worth of food for that. Um, In the Sierras, you know, we were, we were doing some side trails or side passes in and out of the Sierras to kind of break up food carries because they were, you know, if you were going to go from some of the normal resupply points, like lone pine to mammoth, they were long resupplies mm-hmm. when you're only doing 15, 18 miles a day. Um, yeah. So we're getting creative and going over some of the side passes or going to places like VBR um, to get food and kind of, kind of break it up. But mainly we're doing, you know, five to six days worth of food at a time, um, honestly, just to, just to save ourselves. Cause you get to a point where if you're carrying more food than that. You're just, you're paying the price as far as the amount of miles that you're doing and the amount of weight that you're carrying. And it just, it, you know, it, the math starts not working out really in your favor.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's always about the math miles versus weight. It really versus... is. <laughs> exactly.
0: It, it really is. I mean, like for me now, even it's, you know, I'll probably start skipping some of the towns and doing bigger stretches and just forcing myself to do 30, 35-mile days every day. That way I can just do it in less time and just save myself a little bit of money and save myself a little time going in and out of towns.
1: Right. But you got places to be and people to see. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Since you've been on the PCT before and now you're kind of hitting it for the second time, what are the mm-hmm. the hostels or the the... We'll call it campgrounds, but but where are the places that on your list of your, your of places that should be hit? Like you should stop there, you should stay the night, Oof. you know, you should experience it. Wow.
0: All right. Um,
1: <laughs> Sorry to put you I mean, on I'll the spot here. That
0: prob- no, that's a good question. I, I think my favorite towns, probably on the entire PCT, would be Idlewild in Southern California. Okay. Um, Did you meet the mayor? Love Idlewild. I did meet Mayor Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an amazing town. Every, it's really hiker friendly, and everybody's really, really genuinely nice and likes hikers there. It's also hiker friendly in the aspect that everything is close together. You, you're not walking for four or five miles, you know, to go do a resupply in your day off, which no no hiker likes. Um, yeah. So I love Idlewild. Uh, I love Wrightwood california as well um another you know just nice town that's really compact and easy to to get around trout lake washington for some reason i don't i don't even know why i like trout lake washington so much <laughs> i think it's i like the entire region like i i know that when i get to trout lake that the next thing i'm going to do is go up through go rocks wilderness which is one of my favorite places that i've ever been um and i think the town's just kind of a, a cute little town um, Big Lake Youth Camp is a great place for hikers on the PCT because they we they have like a little hiker hut basically there where hikers can stay. Um, they can get a good meal. They can get their resupply packages sent there. So that's that's a good one in Oregon. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of other ones I really really like.
1: What about like hostels or what about like um you know You
0: know hostels aren't hostels aren't geared on the PCT. I, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. the AT, the hostel um situations a lot better on the PCT. You've got the Hostel California in Bishop, which is a really good one. Um a lot of hikers will take advantage of, of going into to Bishop to go to the Hostel California. Um I know there's one in Washington. I can't remember the name of it because I didn't stay at it last time. Um, But I think, I mean, from my memory, there's only really three or four hostels that hikers really take advantage of on the uh, PCT. I think here it's more, you know, hikers look forward to certain towns because of certain things like hikers really look forward to going into Timberline Lodge uh, for the all you can eat buffet because it's,
1: right.
0: it's, you know, incredible. i already looking forward to that, and it's, I don't know, a thousand miles away, or right. not even, no, probably like 900 miles away. Um, yeah. You
1: know, what it's even the better, it's like,
0: Bakery up in Washington.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, even better, though, it's like 100 feet off the trail.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, the Seahecan Bakery, like they was saying, was, is another mm-hmm. one that everyone you know should should always go to and look forward to cuz it's just it's not even just a, a really good pct bakery it's it's a, an amazing bakery that just happens to be just off the pct so
1: okay and what's your what's your bake good of choice
0: uh cinnamon rolls at the Sehegan bakery for sure uh they also have really good bagels
1: okay see ba- and and i hear from a lot of people that bagels are a good Hiking food because they don't get damaged the same way that yeah. other things like tortillas um, and things can do.
0: Yeah, I've I've strapped a tor- or strapped a bag of bagels to the top of my pack more than once, and they're great because you can if you pack out some salami or pepperoni and some cheese, just have bagel sandwiches for you know however many days your salami and your cheese stay good for. Mm-hmm. Or you can put peanut butter on them, and it's it's filling and. it's a good amount of calories. You know, I feel like everybody always does tortillas and cuz they don't really take up that much space or weigh that much, but bagels is a bagels are a really good change of pace.
1: Yeah. Do you do the the math, the calculation of weight to calorie density?
0: No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I uh, I I don't know. I I I've never I've never geeked out over the, you know, making sure that I have 5 to you know, five to 6,000 calories a day or stuff like that. I just, whatever sounds good. I, I know I'm going to be in the negative pretty much every single day. Then I'm out here hiking mm-hmm. um, and it's just trying to, trying to make up the difference a little bit when I get into town and just, just eating whatever the body wants, you know, sometimes you really want, you know, sweet stuff. Sometimes you really want you know salty stuff.
1: Do you find your body craving certain things?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, there's certain things that I always try to give my body. Like almost any time I get into a town that has a, a grocery store, I'll try and get a green juice. I'll try and drink a kombucha, just because I know that they're they're really good for my you know my stomach. Um, and you know sometimes I get into town and all I want is a salad, and then the next town I get into, it, it's all I want is a hamburger and fries. And it's it's generally different, but I feel like we're eating a lot of you know burgers, we're eating a lot of pizza just because it's it's a lot of bang for your buck,
1: yeah, do you generally have issues with weight loss when you're hiking like this
0: uh, i mean i'll I'll definitely lose probably twenty five thirty pounds um wow. during a, a long during a long hike like this, I mean, I'll start off at you know probably 210 pounds and get down to like 180. Or if I start lower, I'll I'll still go lower. Um, The lightest I ever got was the year that I did the CDT and the Colorado trail. I got down to like 160 some odd pounds. I think it was like 168, which was a little... Not healthy. Yeah, a little grotesque at, you know, six, four and a half, six, five, whatever.
1: How... How does your body deal with that? I mean, that's that's unhealthy. I mean, from a perspective yeah, of I'll somebody who yeah. has to, day after day, exert that kind of energy.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's unhealthy
1: generally, but, but you still have to get up yeah. the next day and, and exert a huge amount of energy. Like, <laughs> at some point, I mean, can I, see your body just for- throwing up its hands and saying, nope, not going to do it.
0: Yeah, I give up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I know for me, when I get to a point when I start – really getting thin on the trail, I can feel the energy anytime I eat something. Like you might, you know, get ready to do a climb and you might be dragging a little bit. And I might, you know, go into my backpack and grab a jar of peanut butter and eat a couple spoonfuls of it. And that might be all I need to get up a climb. And you can also feel it. You can you can mm-hmm. feel it when it hits your system. Um, I'm the type of person that I sleep really warm, but also when I eat, I immediately feel, um, that, that food and my metabolism starting to ramp up. So, you know, if I'm, if I eat a big dinner and then immediately go sleep, you know, go lay in my tent or my shelter and get in my quilt, I can feel that food hitting my system and I can feel myself getting warmer.
1: (laughs) Your body is celebrating. We have something to burn. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh. Have you had much trail magic, trail angel kind of stuff this year?
0: Uh, you know, in the desert, not, not a ton. Um, I think on a couple occasions and then the other last week walking into Ebbets Pass, which is about a day and a half, day, day and a half before you would hike into Tahoe. Um, came to Evitts pass and i had actually had cell phone service a uh, few miles back and was going through instagram and i had a message on my instagram saying that you know there was going to be this trail magic um and it was from the wife of the gentleman that was doing the trail magic and you know, said you know we're gonna be doing trail magic Evitts pass these are the dates uh, we really hope to meet you found you through social media and uh you know here's there's kind of an offering of what we're going to have at the trail magic. And I was like, well, oh, that sounds great. You know, I'll actually, I'll be there in a couple hours. i look forward to meeting you. And got to Ebbett's Pass and it was just beyond anything that I would have ever expected eating or seeing um, or experiencing as far as trail magic. Um, just, you know, pizzas made to order, hamburgers, salads, you know, not, not just like, here's a, a salad out of a bag, but like several different types of salads. Um, breakfast, there was biscuits and gravy and there was orange juice. There was French presses for coffee there I and mean, just oh anything God. you could have, anything you could have ever wanted. They had as far as food and the group that was doing it, they had been doing it for the last five years. Um, and they were just, they're, they're the most considerate and just most amazing people that I've ever met as far as trail magic. And they they genuinely wanted to hear everyone's stories. They wanted to get to know everybody. And it was one of those moments where I think a lot of people that were hiking north at that time, were they'd expected the snow to be gone at that point, and it wasn't getting any better. And in fact, conditions were at times getting worse than they had been. And everyone's morale was so low that, that hit at the absolute perfect time and perfect place. And I think it kept, you know, it, it kept spirits high and it kept people going through that section.
1: That sounds pretty damn epic. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, wow. it was, it was absolutely, absolutely amazing.
1: And they just, and they do it at that, at that pass. So
0: yeah, I, I guess they had it done, done it. Yeah. They had done it at a different location. Um, Maybe for a year or two, but then they'd move to Ebbets Pass. Uh, at least the last couple of years, and they would go out for part of a week and then go back to, I think, you know, their their normal lives, and then mm-hmm. go back out. And they were they were doing this over an extended period of time, um, and it was just just incredible.
1: And how did they find you?
0: Uh, I don't know if they just found me through, I think, just through social media, maybe from. You know, from Instagram itself. Um but yeah, it, it surprised me and it was it it made me feel, you know, kind of I don't know, it made me feel good.
1: Like it almost like they were putting this on for you.
0: Well, I no, not not necessarily not quite for that me. good. I mean they're obviously no, 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 no. But you know, it it I don't know, anytime when somebody recognizes you or knows who you are, you, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm not that, you know, I'm I'm not anything special. I'm just a through hiker, but it makes mm. you feel kind of special when somebody knows who you are.
1: Right. Well they specifically reached out to you and let you know that it was that it was there and yeah. incentivized you to get there quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I didn't need a whole lot of incentive.
1: <laughs> True. <laughs> True.
0: <laughs>
1: um your, your trail name is Grizzly? Yes. So, do tell, please.
0: Uh, so, I had had a previous trail name um, from when I hiked the PCT before. Um, and it was actually a name that my ex girlfriend and I had, had shared. Um, it was like a couple's name. And the next year, um, when I was single and I was hiking the Col- uh, Connell Divide Trail, decided, you know, hey, kind of want a new name. And the very first night of doing the CDT going southbound, a grizzly bear came into our camp um, oh. in Glacier National Park. Yeah. In Glacier National Park, you have the permit system to where, you know, you're sharing a backcountry campsite area. So mm-hmm. you've got a privy, you've got a food prep area with either a pole for hanging your food or bear boxes. And then you have different tent areas. And, we were in the communal food prep area, and one couple had left and came back, and they said, there's a bear over by their tent, and uh, I don't know if it was myself or someone else asked if it was a grizzly bear if it was a black bear, and they didn't really know. They'd had a whole lot of experience around bears. So I had used to live in Alaska. I spent four years uh, living up there and had done a lot of backpacking in Alaska, had done a lot of backpacking up in Montana and was, I guess you could say fairly comfortable around grizzly bears and in grizzly bear habitat. And, uh, kind of, I guess through myself, I was the sacrificial lamb that (laughs) we kind of lead everybody (laughs) over to that area to see like, all right, let's see what, if it's a grizzly bear, let's try and get it out of the area and scare it off, you know? So there's like eight or 10 of us or something that we all had bear spray and well, slowly walked over there making noise and it was a, it was a young grizzly bear and it was kind of nosing around and it was digging for grubs and whatnot and we got its attention, and then it you know kind of slowly kept walking towards the food prep area and all of our food at that point was inside a bear box so it was it was safe mm-hmm. but it, it kind of seemed like the bear was maybe a little habituated and had gotten food in that area before and so I just started yelling at it and kicked the bear box a few times really hard and made a bunch of noise and it ran off. And at that point it was kind of, you know, I guess deemed that I would be grizzly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's,
0: that's crazy. Yeah. I think also, I mean, just my size mm-hmm. and that I can be a little bit, Grumpy at times, especially in the morning. Um, also helps with that name. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it wasn't just the experience with the grizzly bear.
0: Yeah, probably not just the bear experience.
1: <laughs> that was the icing on the cake.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, have you basically? So, you basically kept that name since the CDT. So, for the last what three years or so? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, when you start the trail, do you introduce yourself as Grizzly or Michael? From the, from the get-go,
0: uh, from like day one? You know, I think day one on the trails, I just, just go with Grizzly. It's just, I think it's, myself personally, I have such a hard time remembering everybody's actual real-world names out here mm-hmm. that I just kind of get in the habit of introducing myself by my trail name in hopes mm-hmm. that if somebody else has a trail name, they'll introduce me, or introduce themselves by it as well. Um, some of the other trails, that's been great. And people have responded with their trail names doing the PCT again this year. I have not met a ton of people that have through hike before. So okay. it was immediately a whole, a whole bunch of, you know, hi, I'm Matt. Hi, I'm, you know, Morgan. I'm this person. I'm that person. It's like, okay, I got to try and keep these names straight.
1: <laughs> How did that work? How well did that work? Not
0: real well. I'm, I'm terrible at it. Like you might have to introduce yourself like three or four times to me before I actually remember somebody's name. I don't know why. I just can never keep it straight.
1: Yeah. I hear you. I'm good with faces.
0: Yeah. I'm good with faces. Even trail names I sometimes struggle with. So
1: Mm -hmm. what has been your, what has been your like worst toughest time on trail experience on trail?
0: Oh, man.
1: On have this hike just this or year. just in general? In general. Okay.
0: Hmm. Um, I, when I was doing the CDT, I, I honestly really wasn't enjoying myself um, for a big stretch of Montana. And I don't know if it was that I had really high expectations for that area and it wasn't meeting it or if it was something else. I don't know, but like me and the people that I was hiking with, like none of us were really enjoying ourselves and that was really tough to motivate, honestly, to keep hiking. We were going Sobo and we were early as far as Sobo's are concerned. Hiking kind of by yourself through some of these areas and not enjoying it, um, that was that was probably one of the hardest times I had had on a through hike. Honestly, um, I thought I thought going into this year this year that it it might be more difficult, um, or or not even more difficult, but I would have a worse time than I did. Um, mm-hmm. And there were some low points this year going through the sierras, but I think honestly having the group that I had around me and realizing that. All of us were, you know, in the same boat and staying positive as much as we could really, really helped it. But for some reason, Montana and the CDP, just everyone was, was kind of low and it was just, it was really hard to motivate. I remember at one point I got a science infection while I was going through the Bob Marshall wilderness. And that was just, it, it was the worst time I think I've ever had through hiking, to be honest. Just did not want to be out there, didn't want to do it.
1: So what kept you on trail then at that point? Or what was your motivation to stay on trail?
0: Um, At that point in time, just, I don't know, just not wanting to to quit in general. Um, Later on, I did hop off in Montana on the CDT, went back to Colorado, um, got on the Colorado Trail, hiked the entire Colorado Trail, and then, got back on the cdt and i think honestly just a change of scenery a change of trail uh kind of helped me out also at that point in time that early on in the year on the cdt the trail hadn't really been cleared of any downed trees or no trail maintenance been done so there was there were some long sections where it was just you know it it wasn't what you had wanted it to be and you had such big you know grandiose visions and dreams of what the CDT was going to be or what any trail was going to be at that time. And it didn't meet that expectation. Um, And I think the CDT is a great trail, honestly. I think it's, it beats just at that moment, it just wasn't what I wanted it to be.
1: Speaking of that specifically, because I mean, honestly, a, a lot of us, everybody I think probably comes out to a trail with expectations of what the trail is going to be and what it's going to mean. Yeah. Yep. And then the trail does what the trail does. And you either have to get in line exactly. with what it's doing or you don't.
0: Yeah. And I think at that point in time, I was kind of naive to that and just kind of, you know, I had done the JMT and I had done the PCT and it was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's that's what a trail is. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, you know, going and doing the Appalachian Trail and then jumping on you know, the CDT, or jumping on like the Hayduke or something. It's like, wow, this is completely different and not what I expected. And you either have to adapt and make the best of it and enjoy it, or yeah, you're, or you're, you're probably just gonna be disappointed. I mean, I think, I think at this point in my life and hiking, getting on something like the CDT, it'd be like, yeah, this is what the CDT is. You, you, you make the best of it, but and it's it's not, you know, it's not the PCT. It's not the AT. It, it's a totally different trail. And every trail is different. It's just, yeah. I was naive at that point.
1: How did you learn to embrace what the trail is today versus what your expectations of the trail are or what the trail was two weeks ago?
0: I think, honestly, it's just, it's just going with the flow and just realizing, like, there's, there's going to be a lot of ups and there's going to be a lot of downs, you know, what you... You know, I I didn't really enjoy the, the the desert that much in 2015, and this year I was actually kind of going into the PCT looking at it as I'm gonna go into the desert with a brand new perspective, and I'm gonna try to like it more. And I liked it a lot more. And you know, I I really loved the Sierras in 2015, and this year the Sierras were just they were a, a butt kicker. I mean, they were just <laughs> it was completely different. And I wasn't looking forward to Northern California. And now I am just because, you know, I'm, I'm excited to hike in warm weather and I'm actually excited just to kind of be in the, the pine trees. And yeah, I, I think you just have to, I think I've learned that you just have to embrace, you know, embrace everything and just different situations, different times, different places, just, just enjoy the fact that you're out here. Don't take it for mm-hmm. granted. Yeah, I think I think we're all pretty lucky. Anyone that's out on a long trail, whether it be you know right now or has done in the past, like not not a lot of people get get the opportunity to do this. So, you know, don't take it for granted.
1: Yeah, and don't um, don't make it harder than it has to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there might be, maybe you're hiking through a section that you're really looking forward to and the weather's bad, but I mean, that sucks, but don't make it even worse by having a bad attitude about it. Yeah. It's not going to make it any better.
1: <laughs> no, generally not. No. Um, so what what has been your best experience or moment or or time on trail at this point?
0: Um, I mean, on this trail so far, wow, there was a section going into the town of Idlewild that in 2015, the entire section was closed because of, a uh, trail damage from a previous wildfire. And it always really looked like a really pretty section and, in 15 you couldn't hike it so this year i was really looking forward to hiking it and it was a it was an absolutely gorgeous section so that was that was definitely a highlight um of the trail so far this year i don't know if i could i don't know if there's actually been just you know just one highlight honestly um for me going into the pct i think the the area or the the parts that i look forward to the most is Washington. I, I love Washington on the PCT. Um, go rocks, Glacier Peak Wilderness, uh, the Bethesaton Wilderness up at the Northern Terminus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Probably, probably my favorite sections of the PCT. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Who knows what it'll be like this year.
1: <laughs> so true. So very true. Now, speaking of the wilderness and speaking of all of that, like I was looking at your pictures on Instagram and they're amazing. They look amazing. And I, I was wondering what <laughs> camera you're using and then what sort of post work you're doing on the pictures, if you're doing any.
0: Uh, so I take honestly the majority of my pictures with my iPhone. Um, some of the pictures on there are from uh, my point and shoe, which is a Sony RX, one 100 mark three um but yeah most of them are, are taken with my iphone and i edit using lightroom mostly um i try to edit my photos every night just laying in my tent just gives me something to do at the end of the day um while i'm just kind of unwinding and uh just kind of helps me recap the day as well so yeah
1: that's your, ver- your version of journaling
0: yeah i i tried blogging and journaling before and For me, it just, it feels like a job. So I just, I decided I was not going to do that for this, this hike at all. Um, I might do some blogging and some gear reviews and stuff like that after the trail, but I just don't want to be weighed down with it right now, being in town or being in my tent at night. I just, I just want to just focus on being, you know, here and being present right now.
1: How are you with that? the being present side of it, is that something you struggle with normally or? Uh, No, but I feel like
0: just, you know, we have a, we have so much going on as hikers in general. Like say it's a, you know, it's a town day and you get into town and you're staying one night and you're leaving the next morning. It's, you know, get into town. You need to do laundry, you need to resupply, you need to, Maybe go to the post office and send some gear home or go pick something up. maybe you have to go to a gear store and swap stuff out. Obviously, you want to eat as many meals as you can. You probably want to shower two three times and <laughs> <Maybe>. put, <laughs> yeah, you know um, you know and that and then also trying to find time to just relax, you know maybe you just want to lay in bed and watch a movie or maybe you want to go to a local brewery and you know have a couple of beers with your your hiking partners or whatever like for me it's just you know something like daily blogging it just it's it feels like a chore to me and I just rather you know spend the time just kind of being being around those people or being in a community or you know at the end of the night maybe it's Staying uh, outside your tent for an extra hour, just kind of recapping the day with your hiking partners, or looking at um, the next day—that's something that me and my hiking partner coach uh, do a lot. You know, last night we got into camp and we set up and we're eating dinner, and then it was just kind of all right. You know, how many miles here? How many miles there? You know, looking at the next section already. You know, how many days you want to? do this next section in stuff like that. Just, you know, just kind of planning and figuring stuff out and, and then just, you know, kind of also enjoying where you're camping at and just the area.
1: Yeah. Take, take a moment to actually take it in.
0: Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, a lot of times you're just out here just really hustling around and running around and it's, you know, it's supposed to be this relaxing walk in the woods that you know, <laughs> at least that's what everybody, that's what everybody thinks. But, you know, a lot of times it's, it's not that relaxing. You, you, you actually have to like almost plan some time to relax. Yeah. Yeah, you know, some, sometimes it's, you know, taking a longer lunch break and just, you see something, you know, beautiful, just, just sit there for a little bit and look at it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, talking to a couple of hikers who were on the AT this year and they were talking about having taken a break and, and just sat and watched the beavers in the pond for a while for For a couple hours.
0: Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's sometimes it's just that simple, but it's, you know, we're in such a a hurry, whether it's to get into town or get X amount of miles done or, you know, get to Canada or get to Katahdin or whatever before winter hits that you kind of forget to stop and smell the roses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the hardest thing because everybody seems to have this deadline.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, for hikers that try and do more miles and there's always the, you know, people saying, well, you're doing so many miles, you even have time to enjoy it and look around and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we do. I mean, like, I, I... if I'm doing 40 miles, I'm enjoying my day just as much as somebody that's doing 20 miles. I just might mm-hmm. see it at a little bit faster pace. It's just, you know, it's just different. It's, yeah. it's not that I'm not enjoying it.
1: No, it's a different, it's, what am I trying to say here? The experience of it, is, it can be taken in at every speed. As exactly. long as you are taking it in. Yep. Is there, is there anything you feel like we haven't talked about, but that we should? Hmm. Any, any words of advice to novice wannabe through hikers who are planning on doing it the next year?
0: <laughs> oh, just honestly, just, just get out there and do it. I mean, for me, the, the biggest thing, the hardest thing I think for a lot of through hikers is just starting a trail. You know, I think mm-hmm. if you, if, if you get to a, a Northern Terminus or a Southern Terminus, no matter if it's. You know the CDT or the Superior Trail. You know, just just getting there is an achievement, and then from from there, it's just, it's easy. You just have to walk. I mean, it's it, that kind of sounds nonchalant, but <laughs> you, you figure you figure things out as you go along. I mean, you can you can sit at home all winter long trying to plan your entire through hike and worry about food and resupply packages and what towns you're going to stay in and then you get out here for three days and you meet a bunch of people and you might as well have thrown all of that out the window because everything is going to change you know just get gear that you're comfortable with and just save up the money and and start walking because you'll figure everything else out as you go along chances are half the gear that you buy you're going to hate Chances are, you know, most of the food that you prepackage in a box and send yourself, you're not going to want to eat in a couple hundred miles. Just, I almost think sometimes less planning for something like this is better. Just save the money, get some gear that you, you know, that you feel comfortable with mm-hmm. and just start walking.
1: What is it? The Nike thing?
0: Yeah, just do it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's It's not that, it's not that complicated.
1: I know. It becomes complicated because of life.
0: Yeah, well, I, and it becomes complicated because we're we're human beings and we overcomplicate <laughs> everything.
1: What? <laughs> what are you talking about, like, Willis?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, the uh, thru hiker legend who just you know he's out there studying these FKTs and did a calendar triple crown and just you know recently did the Great Western Loop. He planned the great Western loop in two weeks and then walk almost 8,000 miles. I mean, if if he can walk, you know, a route that one person has ever done and plan in two weeks, pretty sure that you can just jump on something like the AT or the PCT without a whole lot of planning and make it happen successfully.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like the, the big thing is, you know, forget the planning, forget that, all of that kind of stuff. If you, as long as you have enough money to be able to swap yeah. out gear, if you need to be able to resupply in towns, to be able to do this, to be able to do that, um, everything else will work itself out.
0: Exactly, and you know, and also just really wanting to do it, you know, really, really, yeah. really wanting to actually finish something like this because you know everybody, everybody's going to have some sort of small injury or periods of being uncomfortable along the way and there's going to be a million different excuses of why you know why you should quit or why you could quit a long trail along the way it's just not listening to that you know that inner voice or that urge to just go home and take the easier path Um, and just willing to really put yourself out there and be uncomfortable Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's that takes a lot and you know I think anybody that's finish a through hike, you know, they it's, it's a pretty big achievement, just willing to put yourself out there that much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess to get existential on you for just a second, um, kind of, I guess, is the yeah. last question for you. Um Okay, if you don't mind sharing, like, what's your, what's your why for being out there?
0: Um, wow.
1: <laughs> I did warn you.
0: Yeah. I think I think I've had a different why for a lot of different trails. Um, And I think when I first did the PCT, the why was because I really wanted to see if I was capable of doing something like this. Um, You know, I think the why as far as doing the PCT this year was a, because i I really wanted to, you know, come back out here because I enjoyed it so much. I think it's, I think the PCC is an amazing trail, and it's kind of like, you know, revisiting that old friend that you haven't seen in a little while and seeing how they're doing. Yeah. Um, and be right now I'm out here because my fiance can't be out here and wants to be out here more than anything. So, you know, that's something where anytime I have a, you know, I'm having a bad day or going through a, a tough spe- uh, spell, whether, you know, it's, you know, a long day or whatever, you know, just kind of remind myself why I'm out here because of that. Um, so yeah, that, and yeah, I think, yeah, I, I guess really that, that would be the, the reason why those two, um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful walk and doing it for my fiance.
1: Yeah. Where can people find you if they have, other questions to ask or if they want to follow your long walk.
0: Yeah. Uh, they can follow me on Instagram. My handle on Instagram is grizzly underscore hikes. Um, I post on there pretty much every time I get into town or do a lot of live feeds from the trail when I have cell phone service. And, uh, that's really the best way of following me. I don't really post a whole lot on Facebook and I don't think I've ever used Twitter. So, yeah, Instagram's really the best, and I love you know I love talking back and forth with people. if anyone has questions or you know just wants to reach out, always happy to to chat with anybody.
1: Fantastic. How connected is the trail these days?
0: It's pretty connected, um, especially a year like this where people are flip flopping around to different places. I'm probably when I get into town. Every time I'm answering, you know, messages from five or six different hikers right now and any given town, just about trail conditions, you know, behind me, what they should expect or, um, you know, do you, I still need an ice axe or stuff like that. So I'm just, right. honestly, I, I've had so many people pay it forward to me in the past and some great, you know, mentors or tutors as far as other through hikers are concerned that I just want to pay it forward to anyone that, needs any help or has any questions.
1: I think that that is actually the, the overall through hiking motto is the yeah. forward thing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I wouldn't be here and know as much as I did, do. Um, if not for people like Lint or some of these other through hikers that I've talked to a lot over the last few years and asked questions to. Um, so anything that I can do to, to help out the, the next, I guess, you know, next generation or whatever, the, the newer hikers that are just getting into it, you know, I will do whatever I can.
1: Well, on their behalf, we thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course.
1: So, so thank you again for, for following up and, and keeping yeah. me in mind as you were walking up and, and checking <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah. I got cell phone service yesterday and I, just like I checked the weather and checked in at home, and I was like, I know I need a message right now. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's actually going to be a weekend, and I'm going to be in a town, which is kind of a, a rare feat at this point. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate your, your flexibility and willingness to, to record on such short notice.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I love talking with you guys. It's just – it's so – interesting and fun and empowering and all of those good words.
0: (laughs) I just, I don't know. I I love doing the whole podcast thing. I think it's, it's just awesome just to get any more content out there about through hiking and getting more people excited.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Inspiring here. See, and I guess that was, that was sort of it today, like focusing so much on the snow because the snow and the, the, the Sierras this year are so intimidating. Oh yeah. And absolutely. sounds so tim- intimidating. So to hear somebody who's like, I got through it. It was okay. We just have to be smart about it. Yeah.
0: And you know, there were so many people this year that are just like, yep, not, not doing it. Not for me. Not even going to try. And it's like, ah, you could, like, I know you could do it, but yeah, you got it, you know, if you don't feel good about it and you don't feel comfortable with it, like it's your well-being, so I'm not going to second guess what you're doing.
1: Yeah, no, true, and and maybe you know they get through it this year or they flip flop or, or whatever version that they do this year. Um, yep. You know, and you you come back a second year when you're feeling it exactly. a bit more comfortable with it. Who knows what the conditions yep. will be like then?
0: <laughs> yeah, every year is so different.
1: Yeah. So which means you can keep doing it over and over again, Michael.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe round three, who knows? We'll see.
1: Maybe you go Sobo next time.
0: Yeah. This year would have been actually a really good year to go Sobo. (laughs) That
1: is, that is true. That is true. And the views will be all different that time going Sobo.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: But Well, Um, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Thank you so much again uh for standing on the yeah, side of, of the road Thank and talking you. with me.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was my pleasure.
1: Show notes And links for Michael's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Michael for sharing his stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song, Try Again. If you have through hiking adventures to share, we'd love to hear them. Please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider, and leave a review. We'll see you on the trail.